Welcome to the podcast entitled Atrial Fibrillation Focus on Stroke Prevention. This podcast was produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an independent educational grant from Boehringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals, Inc. The content for this podcast was adapted from an interview with Cynthia Sanoski that was recorded on December 5, 2010, during the 45th ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting and Exhibition in Anaheim, California. Dr. Sanoski is Chair and Associate Professor of the Department of Pharmacy Practice at Jefferson School of Pharmacy, Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Dr. Sanoski will discuss stroke prevention and atrial fibrillation, reviewing the basics. What is the general risk of stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation? Does this risk differ by age, gender, or race? Actually, atrial fibrillation confers a pretty high risk of stroke in these patients. When patients develop atrial fibrillation, it increases the risk of ischemic stroke by four to five-fold. About 15 to 20% of all ischemic strokes can be attributed to atrial fibrillation. Now, with regard to age, gender, or race, the risk of stroke increases significantly with age. In fact, um, once we reach the age of 70 to 80, the risk starts to increase significantly with each decade of life. With regard to gender, women are at much higher risk of stroke than men, especially in those patients who are 75 years or older. In those who are less than 75 years, the risk is not as significant in women versus men, but especially for the age of greater than 75. And then for race, whites are actually at higher risk for stroke due to atrial fibrillation than either blacks or the Hispanic population. What effect does atrial fibrillation-induced stroke have on patient outcomes? Does it have any effect on mortality? Developing a stroke from atrial fibrillation actually has a very detrimental effect on both morbidity and mortality. In fact, patients who develop AFib-induced stroke are much more likely to remain handicapped or disabled following the stroke, and this is even in the short term. Long-term, patients who develop stroke due to atrial fibrillation are also at much higher risk for mortality, um, and that could be either short-term as well as long-term as well. Are there any methods for assessing the risk for stroke in patients with AFib? Actually, according to the most recent guidelines brought out by the ACCP or the American College of Chest Physicians in 2008, they recommend the CHADS-2 Risk Stratification Scoring System, and that actually is an acronym for the various risk factors that we would quantitate in these patients. So the C stands for congestive heart failure, H stands for hypertension, A is age, and that would be an age greater than 75 years of age, D stands for diabetes, and then S, 2, We'll get to the point scoring in a minute. S stands for stroke or transient ischemic attack in these patients. And so it's a scoring system. What are the guideline-based recommendations for using antithrombotic therapies to prevent stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation? Do these guidelines make any gender or race-specific recommendations for preventing stroke in this population? So again, according to the most recent ACCP guidelines from 2008, They make recommendations for the use of either aspirin or warfarin therapy in these patients, and it's all based upon the CHADS-2 stratification system. So for those patients who have a CHADS-2 score of 2 or greater, they're considered to be at high risk for stroke. And in those patients, they indefinitely recommend warfarin therapy for stroke prevention. For patients that have a CHADS-2 score of 1, and that they would be deemed to be at intermediate risk for stroke. And in these patients, the guidelines recommend either warfarin or aspirin therapy. However, if they're making a suggestion with regard to preference of either one, they recommend warfarin over aspirin, just because warfarin has been shown to be superior to preventing stroke versus aspirin in these patients with atrial fibrillation. For patients with a CHADS-2 score of zero, meaning that they have none of those risk factors that we mentioned before, uh, these patients would be considered to be at low risk for stroke. 
And in these patients, they recommend aspirin monotherapy, which would be at a dose of 75 to 325 milligrams daily. And getting back to the warfarin for a moment, the INR target would be 2.5. The range would be 2 to 3 in those patients. And the reason for the low risk why aspirin monotherapy is because the risk of warfarin is considered to exceed its potential benefit in those patients at low risk. Is there any role for using dual antiplatelet therapy, such as aspirin and clopidogrel, over warfarin for stroke prevention in patients with AFib? Actually, the safety and efficacy of dual antiplatelet therapy, here meaning aspirin plus clopidogrel therapy, has been evaluated in a series of trials called the ACTIVE trials. And the very first trial to be done was the ACTIVE-W trial, which actually investigated aspirin plus clopidogrel versus the gold standard of warfarin therapy. And in that particular trial, warfarin was shown to be superior to aspirin plus clopidogrel therapy. Now, for those patients from that study that could not be enrolled because patients were not considered to be candidates for warfarin, those patients were then enrolled in the active A trial, which was aspirin plus clopidogrel versus aspirin monotherapy, looking at the safety and efficacy of each of those. And in that particular trial, aspirin plus clopidogrel was shown to be superior to aspirin therapy in preventing the primary endpoint, which was stroke, MI, non-CNS systemic embolism, or vascular death. The key to that particular study was is that patients in the aspirin plus clopidogrel group had more significant major bleeding than the aspirin group. Therefore, the conclusion of that trial, meaning that aspirin plus clopidogrel therapy could be considered an alternative in patients who would probably not be considered to be candidates for warfarin. Now, what does that mean? That could mean that maybe they don't want to be monitored as frequently. Perhaps they've taken warfarin and failed for whatever reason. Those patients could be considered to be candidates for aspirin plus clopidogrel, provided that those patients would not be at increased risk for bleeding. This concludes this podcast. For additional information about this topic, visit the Educational Initiative web portal at www.ashpadvantage.com slash prevent stroke.